citizens of the internet. What you most want to find will be found where you least want to look. There's this old story that's from King Arthur, and King Arthur has these knights, right? They all sit around a round table, which means they're roughly equal. That's what the round table means. And they're off to find the Holy Grail, and the Holy Grail is the most valuable object. That's what it means. So they're off to find the most valuable thing, but they don't know what it is, and they don't know where it is. But they know that there's a most valuable thing, so in some sense it's akin to them orienting themselves by the star. And they don't know where to look, and so what they decide is they have the castle and it's the middle of a forest, and so each knight decides to start looking for the Holy Grail by entering the forest at the point that looks darkest to him. And so what's the idea there? Well, imagine there are things that come easy to you and that you're fond of pursuing and that you're happy about pursuing. So you've found those and pursued them and you've mastered them. So you know all that, but then there's another place that you don't want to go. And so you haven't gone there and you haven't mastered it. And you're very small in comparison to it because you haven't mastered it. And so it has this monstrous aspect. If what you're doing isn't working, it's where you haven't gone that you need to go. And so I can give you another example of this. So let's say you're an agreeable person. And so you don't like conflict and you won't stand up for yourself and you regard anger and the proclivity to provoke and to engage in conflict as something that's positively terrible. It's not only that you're not good at it, it's actually that it's wrong. So that's where you have to go if you're going to learn how to stand up for yourself. And imagine that you're afraid. Maybe you have something like agoraphobia. And so there's a whole bunch of things that you're afraid of and you don't want to go there. But if you want to put yourself together, then that's exactly where you have to go. And so it's frequently the case that what you want to find is to be found where you least want to find it. And that idea is echoed in the prominent stories of dragons and gold. It's exactly the same idea. The dragon is this terrible thing. It's this terrible predatory thing that lives forever and is very, very wise. And it lives underground and it'll kill you. It'll burn you up in a second, but it hoards gold. And so you have to go there into the dragon's lair if you're going to get the gold. And that's a representation of people's paradoxical relationship with reality. It's like you have to go out there and confront it in order to incorporate what it has to offer to you. But the probability that that's going to be intensely dangerous and push you right to the limit, first of all, those are actually the same thing. If it didn't push you to the limit, you wouldn't gain anything valuable from it. So. You don't get one without the other. You don't get the gold without the dragon. That's a very strange, very, very strange idea.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to season three of Citizens of the Internet. And today, I have a good friend of mine, Mr. Wes Infinity. What's up, man? How's your day been? Oh, it's been cool. You know, pretty chill day. Nothing too drastic in retail world. How's your day been? I just, you know, it's pretty, pretty, pretty okay. You know, I wake, woke up maybe around 6 a.m. I'm trying to wake up earlier now in the morning. I feel like there's, you can get more in the day the earlier you wake up. Mm-hmm. Uh, really trying to focus on fasting. Uh, there's lots of benefits to fasting. You know, you have more energy. Your body's able yeah. to recover. And I, f- and I feel like, you know, people forget the stomach needs to rest. So when you're fasting, it gives your stomach the ability and the time span to rest. So uh, I've seen a lot of benefits from fasting. You know, I, I, I've lost a lot of, you know, when you fast, you burn a lot of body fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm trying to cut a lot of weight. I'm trying to hit 185 before December. So, mm-hmm. you know, fasting is really helping me get real lean. That's what's up. What's uh like? So you're fasting, meaning like, are you waiting like a certain time of day to eat, or? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I eat. So I have a meal time between three to ten. Like that's my gap of eating. And uh, after that, there's no more eating. You're done. That's wild. Huh. That's that's funny you say that. It's like I've uh I've like subconsciously started doing that. Like I only eat probably like once or twice a day mm-hmm. and it will be definitely like either between like 12 30 or like four o'clock mm-hmm. and after that i'm just chilling and it's just been weird recently like i've been doing it for like a week how do you feel but uh i'm feeling a little bit better actually like my mind's a little bit more clear uh shit i'm not as tired as i usually be so like i can you know go to sleep as late as I want, and then probably like wake up and I'll be cool for, like the whole day and shit. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not eating like so much like processed food or like buying shit from a like price shopper just like just to eat real fast or some shit. Cause my job's like right next to one. Yeah. So usually I'll just go over there, buy some shit, and then come back, eat for lunch and stuff. And now it's just like take my lunch and then eat at one time a day, then I'm cool for the rest of the day. That's Not good. That's real. No, that's that's. I mean, that's real good. Um, and I feel like I had a problem with too much snacking. Right, any chance mm-hmm. I get, I was I was munching on something. Yeah, and, and so now you know, I've a way to break habits isn't to just stop cold turkey, because mm-hmm. that's not how our brains are wired. Our brains are wired to you know accept rewards. So you switch that out with something else, right? So instead of like eating on mm-hmm. cookies, I have carrots. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't really, I'm not a, I'm not crazy for carrots, but, uh, I like the crunchy roughage feel. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm satisfied. I have my chewing urge satisfied or I'll get like mm-hmm. vegetable chips instead. And I know that's not the healthiest option, but it's way better than just eating regular chips. Yeah. Are you a chip guy? I'm an everything guy, but yeah, I like chips. Yeah. I'm definitely I'm, a chip person. Yeah. I'm a I'm a salty sweet guy, right? I gotta have my chips and I gotta have my cookies at the same time. I feel that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, chips is chips was just hard to like just let go for me because it's so accessible and it's just like mm-hmm. it's just chips, you know. You can't go wrong <laughs> with chips. What's your favorite chip? Uh, definitely Lay's, like a uh, Lay's original. Oh the, uh, no! Originals. Get out! Yeah. Podcast over. Lays, bro. bro. That's like listen, the bro. That's plain Frito brand right there. <laughs> I know, but listen, bro. Like, you get some Lays, put on a plate, and then like just put some hot sauce on top of them bitches. Fire. Mm, I see. I see. I can see that. Incredible. And plus, like, it's not doing too much. Like, it's not too much cheese. It's not too much like flavor. It's just like boom, salt and potatoes. Okay. Okay. I'm a I'm a hot Cheetos or a hot fries kind of guy. Yes. So you you still on the right track because I still fuck with hot fries heavily. You know I love me some. I remember back in the days, man. Hot fries used to be filled to the to the brim, oh, and it was just a dude. dollar. It was just a dollar. And I remember uh, when the recession hit, the bags started getting lighter. I was like, "Come on, what's going? What's going on? <laughs> you know, what's happening? You know, the whole world was. You know, my whole world came to an end." When <laughs> when I started getting half bag chips, oh man! You know the uh, remember the uh, two four dollars? Yes, no, two no, four dollars. Not even two. It's like the four four dollars. They had like the super super small ones. Mm-hmm. And like I used to go to the uh, we have like a boys and girls club and stuff around here. So like I used to go to like the uh, store across the street from over there, and just like come back with just like ten dollars worth of chips. Like yo, who needs some? <laughs> You used to flip them bitches like 50 cent each. Hey, I feel that. You know, I was the I was the Lucas guy in, you know, in the school. You know the guys that had the snacks in the backpack? Mm-hmm, yeah. That was that was me. That was me, man. I was hustling the block. Right. I, I would I would uh <laughs> every morning, you know, because I went to the suburban school, right? And they didn't have Lucas candy. They didn't mm-hmm. have that kind of you know, because their mom was feeding them all this natural, whole grain, vegan stuff. So they've never really had flavor in their life yeah so i'm bringing Ugh. the i'm bringing the flavor you know what i'm saying <laughs> changing the whole system uh-huh i was like <laughs> i was christopher columbus to these people so <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would go to you know the hispanic markets where i'd get the lucas i would get the watermelon candy buy in bulk Mm-mm-mm. oh but then man I, I got that money from Cause you know, I went to the suburban school, but I, you know, you live in your area and Mm -hmm. you know, the Hispanic kids, they loved Dragon Ball Z. So they would draw Goku and I got this Mm -hmm. one kid to draw me a picture of Goku for a dollar. Right. So I took that photo and I traced it and I made maybe 10 Goku, uh, you know, drawings. And then I sold it to other kids for $2. Right. So I flipped it and I used the money I made to go buy the candy at the Hispanic store to go sell it to the white kids for like $10. Dang. So you flipped this whole man project (laughs) for for $1, man. I I was working, I was walking away with a hundred dollars, man. And then then, (laughs) (laughs) I know he'll like, he's going to listen to this podcast one day. He's like, man, fuck that dude, man. (laughs) A nigga like me, man. I love the game. I love the hustle, man. 
I be feeling like one of them ball playing niggas, you know? Like Bird, Magic, or something. Yeah, you know a nigga got dough. A nigga could leave the league. But if I leave, the fans still gonna love me, man? Back then, hustling mm -hmm. was crazy. There's no reason why we need to be making this much money <laughs> as kids. Hey, man, that's the American dream right there, right? That's young, black, and successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, they didn't want to see us win. They didn't want to see us win. They're like, these niggas making too much. Have you seen the Boondocks episode uh, with Riley? Yeah, and uh, when, the little when, white girl, and they had like a little empire. Mm -hmm, when they were selling chocolate, man, that was... That was that was me and my <laughs> and so you know the operation got so big you know I was I had to get workers right so I had to get I was like hey man listen you know come you know help sell from me and mm -hmm. and then you know people were, and I had to deal with people eating product people not giving giving me back my money I was mm -hmm. like man you know this is <laughs> have you seen power it was it was like I felt like I was in power or I was in uh, I haven't peeped it yet yeah so I know the aesthetic. Yeah, so like, you know, the whole Boondocks episode, that was me in the sixth grade. And then other people, <laughs> you know, started muscling in on the business. And, mm -hmm. they, you know, like eighth graders, motherfucker, done failed 10 times. I'm like, bro, ain't you like 25? What are you doing bullying, bullying <laughs> a 16-year-old? Like, or what are we, like 12? How old are you in sixth grade? I don't know, man. But these, these motherfuckers had facial hair. And I was like, yo, it ain't, you know, the, the game. Too big the game to class. The game really is messed up. Hey. Yeah, but yeah. I I got out of it because it was you know it was affecting my grades and you know my mom and dad were tripping. So when I stopped, other motherfuckers started to come in and sell the same thing too. And I was like, bro, come on! I was like, you guys are so late. Been there, done that. We got to move on <laughs> to a new hustle. It's like you niggas are my sons, and look at you <laughs> fucking up everything. But you like the OG man? Gotta be. <laughs> gotta be so what do you what do you do uh wes not professional wise but on like what you really want to do what i really want to do i just mm -hmm. want to make art like period if it comes to you know photography if it comes to like wait 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 wes, painting. Uh, do you have your headphones in or can you hear me talking out of your computer i can hear you talking is it out is it speaking through the speakers uh no it's um it's speaking through my headphones is it loud no 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 i'm just making sure there's no feedback because sometimes you know in episodes i'll be talking 10 minutes in and then when i'm editing i hear myself talking over myself and i'm like oh shit oh no yeah you good okay okay sorry to cut you off keep going oh no you good so um basically i just really just want to make art like to be honest like if it comes to photography comes to making music Painting, drawing, shit, whatever. Like mm -hmm. even clothes and things like that. I just want to be able to make art and then sell that shit. And just be successful doing that and just be happy doing that because I feel like trying to just be just one type of artist and stuff is just it's just so one dimensional. Like mm -hmm. just no fun in just doing one thing over and over again. It's limited. So that's really just my my main goal. And to be successful with it too, because I don't know. I feel like what's the point of doing art if you're not going to be successful at it? True. Very true. So, I mean, to, in order to achieve this goal of, you know, being able to be paid for your art, you got to focus mm -hmm. on one craft. Like, you got to focus. Mm -hmm. So, what do you, 
Like, what's your main focus right now? My main focus right now is photography, definitely. Um, <clears throat> it's just not because it's easy, because it's really not. It's more of a, uh, it's kind of like a personal thing. It's like me being patient with mm-hmm. a lot of things because everything else that you do, like art wise and stuff, like you can either rush through it or you cannot. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But with photography, like you have to be patient in order to like produce something that's like really dope. And so that's pretty much what I do now. Just photography, being patient and just letting life do what it's supposed to do. That's good. That's that's real good. Uh, so you're in a production company, right? Like we, you recently got into a production company. Yeah, I um. So my production company that I just got into is Shocking Arts, and what we do are basically we just produce content for like different clients. So say someone needs a commercial, we go out send some guys out to do that. Say someone just needs a simple photo shoot. I would uh, normally handle that or, you know, some other people in my group will handle that. Or even uh, if someone just needs like a vlog or something, we'll like Mm -hmm. have someone either fly one of our guys out or we'll travel there and then we'll shoot a vlog for them and stuff like that. And we also do like podcasts and stuff too. So we have like our own content Mm -hmm. that we produce and make a little small profit off of as well. So we're basically just, you know, a small production company that wants to be big. How old are you guys? Um, we range from I think like the oldest person right now is like twenty seven, and the youngest is like twenty. Yeah, just twenty. That's so good. we have like a smaller, cooler range. You guys are up and getting it. You know that's real impressive. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty it's pretty dope so far. Like I just joined it like this current summer, like probably about three or four months ago. I'm still getting a little accustomed to it, a little bit more comfortable. It's not bad because I normally just do everything, you know, by myself. That's how I was always like growing up to do and things like that. So having to be a part of them has been pretty, pretty decent so far. I'm really excited about what we can do in the future. Did you have a like, did you know these people when you got this invitation to the production company? Did, Did they see your work? Um, so one of my homeboys actually put me on to them. Uh, so the story is basically he texted me one day. He was like, yo, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just at the crib chilling. And he was like, yo, you should um come to my studio with my production company, you know, check us out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I don't have anything else to do. So I might as well just go down there. So I drove, you know, 30 minutes to the city. because I live outside of the city right now and drove there Pulled up it's, uh, in like this little location called like the West Bottoms, where like all of our like abandoned buildings, buildings and things like that is uh, located. And go there, meet with the guys. And he was uh, my homie. His name is Kevon. He was like, yo, you know, I see you like to do vlogs and stuff. Would you like to uh, vlog with us? Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. You know, I did a cool little vlog and things like that. We had like a uh, I directed like a small little car sequence and stuff. For uh, my homie Kevon's car because all of the guys in that production company they're a bunch of car guys and I'm not so I was like shit might as well just get someone's car because it looks cool and shit so I did that edited it sent it back to them like a week later and it was like so do you want to join us and I was like cool I'm cool with joining us so that's how that pretty much happened 
So I'm like the uh, I'm like the dedicated vlogger for them now. That's what's up. That's good shit. Yeah. Congratulations on oh. the invite. Oh, thank you, thank you for real. You so know, in our last in our last conversation, you know, you were talking about Supreme, and we. I mean, I I like to do research on you know certain topics that interest me, and mm-hmm. um, I've watched it. I mean, I've heard about Supreme, and I've you know read and seen, but I watched it again. I watched another documentary, and it's really kind of cool the culture behind Supreme and the hype beast mm-hmm. culture and, and everything. Are you a part of hype beast culture? Um, I wouldn't say I'm part of hype beast culture. Or, I would is, probably is say, that an insult? Is that an insult? I, mean, I don't know. No, it's, <laughs> no, for me, it's not an uh, insult. It's because it's a lifestyle for people for real. Like you can be a different type of hype beast. You can either be the, uh, like a Travis Scott hype beast, what I like to call the kids now, because he's literally the hottest, like, one of the hottest trendy artists right now for like just creating products and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those guys are weirdos to me. But the other type of hype beasts, like the chill ones, the people who just want like the clothes uh, that they want or like the shoes that they want, that's the type of uh, hype beast that I would call myself. So like, say it would be like a Supreme beanie that comes out, right? Mm-hmm. I would want that beanie. But there will be kids who can like code and shit like that that will take that beanie from me right when I get to the checkout. And it'll be after two minutes of a drop of date. Mm-hmm. And because so they're, u- like, they're using fuck. robots. They're using bots yeah. to outbid you yeah. and bid you faster. Yeah, and they're scumbags and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, I'll just like, fuck it. I'll just resell, buy it and things like that. So yeah. So it's a it's a cool like little difference between the little culture. But at the end of the day, I still can't call myself a hype beast. <laughs> okay, okay. I just don't Do like you, the I just don't like to label myself like that. No, nah, I get it. I get it. I feel it's like calling yourself a Nazi or something. Yeah, hype, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you resell? Um, not yet. Okay. Because uh, I haven't bought like twice of the same thing yet. I I just feel like I can't do that right now. Doesn't seem like the right time for me. You know, I was in the documentary about Supreme. It came, you know, it was an it came about because of the skate culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like this the skate culture man has really shaped the culture and has shaped mainstream like no other. Definitely, it's because like skaters, low key, they can dress like. They keep their own little, you know, dress and things like that, where they have like not super skinny jeans, kind of like baggiest jeans. They got the Nike Dunks and then they got the snapback and then the cool T-shirt or like mm-hmm. they'll switch it up with like, you know, some sweats and things like that. And like they're so comfortable and chill. It's just cool. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, I think I might know which documentary you watch. And it was like, uh, you know, they're just basically like just a bunch of skaters like just kickflipping and shit like that that shit was cool right mm-hmm. and so what supreme did was like all right we're gonna just make us just a cool logo and put it on the hanes shirt that's already comfortable that skaters wear and then boom supreme and then that's how that's kind of like how like you know the whole brand just blew up and shit because skaters are cool like i said before so why not make something cool for them think about the name supreme and things like that right 
The supreme means kind of like, you know, you're higher than everything else and shit. You're mm-hmm. cooler than cool, you know, and you're free to do whatever you want. So now, like, you know, with the hype beat culture and how, like, Supreme got popularity and they make, like, you know, limited stuff, because if you have that limited thing, you're higher up, right? Now, like, you have a mm-hmm. bunch of people that just come, you know, from the suburbs and, you know, they want to have that Supreme shit. And so that's kind of like how, you know, you said kind of like suffocating and shit, because them kids are standing outside for about hours, like even sometimes days just to buy like some socks. Yeah. And I feel like that's ridiculous. And I mean, <clears throat> going back to like how it's like with skaters and things like that, you know, skaters made that shit cool. And then when the hype beast came, suffocated it, it kind of like didn't make it cool anymore and shit. And so now it's kind of just like Supreme gets a good and a bad rep from it. Mm-hmm. It you know, well, it kind of just has a bad rep for it now again. Because before it had a bad rep for you know just skaters and shit. Now it has a bad rep of just being annoying. Yeah, you know when you yeah. have your unfortunately when you go to a this is advice for you know people that want to build brands mm-hmm. when you grow a brand to an extent. It no longer, you know, the idea changes and it transforms. And I feel like, think of it like a dot, right? Think of it like a dot and Mm -hmm. your brand is a dot and you drop that dot in a pool of water. Mm -hmm. And then ripples spread out from the epicenter. That's how ideas and thoughts and brands happen, right? Once you drop it into reality... It's small, right? The idea is very mm-hmm. small, a very tight knit. And then as it picks up momentum, it expands rapidly and it grows, 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 grows. And when something grows to a certain point, I don't know what it is, but the idea and the message becomes lost. And mm-hmm. now there's, it's like, it's the echo. It's the echo of the first ripple, right? The first yeah. rip, right? It, echoes of the first ripple will never have the same idea because now there's other people around talking about it right so mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like when i talk about it as a drop in the water it simplifies it but think of it like now as a group of people right it's just you in the center mm-hmm. and then have you ever been to in a crowded room where you don't know what people are talking about but you know they're just talking mm-hmm. that's what that's the echo that's what the echo is right like you don't know what everyone is talking about, but you, you hear noise. That's what Supreme has now become to outsiders. Now it's just noise. And yeah. if they do happen to like listen in on the conversation, maybe they hear some like somebody that's wearing the brand that's not really repping the brand properly. Mm-hmm. And they don't really care for it. Mm-hmm. And, and now the brand ends up having uh, a bad rep. Yeah. Or it even comes to the fact where, like, someone hears about the brand and stuff, and then, like, their ideas, like, not that their ideas are trash, but, like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, have you seen the Supreme Brick? Mm-hmm. That shit doesn't make any sense. And it was $150 when it dropped. And that's the type of shit that has turned people off. Like, man, this is stupid as fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bro, you're going to buy a brick that you can get, bro. you know anywhere no joke no joke man but when you build i feel like what maybe supreme might be going through like i said i'm sure it's like the meme right on the internet you hear what happened to the original plot right what happened Mm -hmm. to the 
maybe the original founders, they died off and the values died off. And now mm-hmm. whoever runs Supreme, they, they're making it more corporate. Oh, let's make more money, right? Money, 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 money. Mm-hmm. And you know you have a sycophant fan base that will just eat whatever you put out. So no one's going to check you, right? No one is mm-hmm. going to check you in that culture because you've isolated yourself far away from everybody else and you've built mm-hmm. a like a cult following. So no one's going to check you and say, hey, oh, that's whack. <clears throat> that's whack. Yeah. Right? And Because, yeah. you know, it happened to me, you know, on Twitter. Like, I feel like when I hit 20K, man, I... <laughs> I was tweeting, I was tweeting bullshit, man. And I was, <laughs> I was like, bro, what the fuck am I saying, man? Like, that's why I feel like I, sometimes I'll go back and I'll see like the meme accounts that I used to like give advice on how to gain more followers and mm-hmm. I'll see them, you know, they'll have a hundred K, they'll have 200 and I'll see the shit that they're writing. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, like I feel, I'm like, bro, I feel bad for you now because you've become a character. You've become yeah. an idea. You're no longer a person. Right, I'm sure you're afraid to really say what you want to say, because if you say <laughs> something different than what people expect you to say, you're gonna get a lot of backlash from it. Yeah. Once you become famous, you no longer exist, bro. Your happiness don't don't exist no more. It's not about you no more. Your job is to entertain, to make other people happy. Nobody gives a fuck about how you feel. At all. Nobody really cares about how you feel. I used to be a slave of that shit too. Like, if I would say something stupid that would go viral or some shit, like, uh, I think like last year I went viral over a tweet that said, uh, plan B, uh, inside the uterus. And it was like this, um, it was like this culture or whatever, like how like these kids was like running around like this person in like a costume. Mm-hmm. And he was like chasing these kids. And like one kid he was chasing for real. And she was like, Usain Bolt just like form and everything uh-huh. <laughs> and it got like 180k likes on it and after that I was just like tweeting just stupid shit afterwards and I'll be like <sighs> somebody mm-hmm. should have checked me you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that uh, and, and that goes with like brands kind of like how Apple is now mm. like the Apple Watch SE that just came out mm-hmm. they don't need to make an Apple Watch SE they could have just made it an Apple Watch that was less expensive, but no, they made it more exclusive for them and stuff. Made it seem like it was better because, you know, they're just slapping their logo on the same shit that everyone else is slapping their logo on. If Supreme would just get in their bag, just like collabing and stuff, you know what I mean? Because mm. I feel like when companies like collaborate on new things and shit, it just makes up so much better. Because uh, I know they collab with like small brands. Well, not small brands because Carhartt's tight. Nike's tight. They even did like a Louis V collab and stuff. And that's like a really like, you know, that's a really big thing for that type of culture because wow, you come from skating to, you know, now people are wearing Louis V Supreme. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't personally see them like crashing down, but yeah, you you definitely have like the right idea when it's like when they do dumb shit, like the Oreos that came out mm-hmm. a couple months ago. That's the type of shit that'd be like, yeah, why the fuck would you want to buy this for? I can't afford $150 Oreos and it's only like two of them bitches in there mm-hmm. and they're not double stuffed either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's the warning. You know, people should remember when they're building this, whatever brand they're doing. Remember, you've never arrived. You've yeah. never made it to the hilltop. There's always 
another peak you have to climb. You always gotta go farther. Mm-hmm. You gotta sit. and shit is infinite. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, guys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you feel about gatekeeping? Like, do you, uh, cause I know I, in the previous episodes earlier in maybe season one, I talked about gatekeeping and how gatekeeping is good mm-hmm. because I, I believe there should be more gatekeeping in a lot more subcultures. I feel like mm-hmm. every subculture should have a hardcore gatekeeping. Like you can't just let anybody into the club now. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. And no, I definitely, I definitely, I'm a hit or miss when it comes to gatekeeping because I mean, on one well, side, well, uh huh, uh huh. Well, because like on one side, you know, it's kind of like uh, artists and things like that. On one side, you want to see this artist grow, right? But on the other side, you don't want to hear that song in TJ Maxx. Like, some in some in some type of way, you know, gatekeeping is healthy because you let some type of culture like grow and like become like strong in what they're doing and stuff. And mm-hmm. the other side, it's like gatekeeping. It's kind of like, mm, I want them to get this recognition for what they're doing. And so that, so that's the thing. You don't sacrifice quality for quantity, yeah. okay? Because if you are a gar, you know, if you're a gardener, you gotta mm-hmm. prune. You gotta prune the low hanging fruits, mm-hmm. right? So the tree can focus on growing upwards. Yeah. Right. You, you gotta you gotta trim and hedge off things and accesses that could take away from the beauty of the whole thing, and that's how you properly gatekeep, right? Like mm-hmm. you, and I don't mean like the crazy stand, like I you, you hope you go die for saying so. No, you know, <laughs> proper gatekeeping. You know, say an artist makes a bad song mm-hmm. within the genre, like like how we like you know. The reason, okay, well, my main point about this is segue into uh, cult, different types of cultures and around, different types of art cultures on the mm-hmm. internet. The reason why there's a lot of creepy photographer guys is due to the lack of gatekeeping, right? Yeah. There is no organized community. You see what I'm saying? The idea, yeah. the idea has grown so much and so fast, and now anybody can do it but it takes no not anyone can be a photographer not anyone can be a good photographer sorry but people feel like they can come in and they come in with their shitty attitudes their shitty mindset and they give everything a whole bad rep yo in that place yeah fuck gate i mean not fuck gatekeeping but fuck them people that try to not gatekeep because it's like like you said we have the creepy photographers that come in because you know they just have a they just have a photo you know a photo taker so I don't like to mm-hmm. just say camera and stuff because people use phones, people use cameras, all that good shit. I like to say, you know, just a photo taking device because, I mean, you can say, you know, hey, I'm a photographer and then you can have like a girl strip in front of you and boom. Now it's like, oh, shit, he does lingerie photos and shit. And then, you know, you can say you're a photographer and you can just take photos of concerts and stuff. People are like, oh, he just wanted to do concerts so he can, um, you know, get close to artists and shit. And it's just like, no, it's just, you know, I'm personally in this shit to do what I want to do. But then you have these other guys. It's like, oh, you can take photos of girls' titties. All right, bet. Let me go grab me a T3I real quick. Mm-hmm. And then boom, they can just do that shit. It's just like, fuck. 
Like I've seen a lot of uh, photographers that went off into the deep end. Like they would, you know, create super dope, you know, creative portraits and stuff. And then they would allow like, you know, the people who are like their fans or like people close to them and things like that to get inside their little mix and just change their whole perspective and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like to say names and stuff of photographers and stuff, but there was a guy who would like take photos of uh, women in like forests, right? Like that was his whole spiel. He would take women inside forests or he would do it in uh, abandoned buildings and stuff. And then they would be new. And it would kind of just be like, you know, beauty inside disaster. Like that was his whole aesthetic. Uh-huh. And so now like people took that from him because they see that, you know, he's around these naked women. He's taking them to abandoned places and shit. And they would take advantage of that shit. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, ugh. So now since we didn't, you know, check that before it happened, now a lot of people were thinking, well, sometimes even girls think like, if I would come to them and be like, yo, I want to take your photo and shit, they automatically think, oh, he wants to see me naked. Oh, he wants to see me inside, you know, lingerie and shit. It's just like, no, like, I just think you look dope. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So in that sense, yeah, I'm cool with gatekeeping on that because I personally take my art seriously. And like, just to have like other niggas just come out of nowhere and just fuck everything up or make things awkward, it's kind of just... Mm-hmm. It just it's just toxic to the culture, really. Listen, that's one thing I definitely I'm highly sensitive to that type of shit. Highly mm-hmm. sensitive to that kind of shit, and I don't tolerate it. You know, one bit. I don't oh, like definitely. bringing. You know, you don't bring wolves into the hen house. Yeah, you don't do it's that. Just- and whenever I, you know, because whenever I would have some type of gathering or in an event, and I feel like people are not there for the sake of the event mm-hmm. or for the sake of whatever we've decided to come together, mm-hmm. they no longer get an invite. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, Hey, you know, I ain't going to shake your hand. I ain't going to do this, but now I'm, I'm watching you. I'm watching mm-hmm. you because you know, you're, you're dangerous and, and I know what you want and you're not going to get it. Yeah. And it's really crazy. Cause like, you can really feel that shit. Um, like even like through artists and stuff. Like there's a lot of people that kind of come to me sometimes and be like, hey, I want to get into photography. And then I'll ask them like, why do you want to do it? And they just say, oh, I just think it's cool. And I'm like, bro, like when you really get into the shit, it's not as cool as you think it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's cool to create photos and stuff, but like the process it takes isn't cool. You know, how much patience you have to learn isn't cool. It's not cool in the beginning. It's cool afterwards because, you know, it helps you out in life later on. But like just getting into it and like trying to figure out what type of photographer you want to be. That shit's not the cool part. Like I'm just being plain and simple about it because I personally. uh, I went through my trials and tribulations and shit with this art where, you know, I used to do it just so that I can like get into concerts for free and stuff. Right. Mm hmm. But now I'm like, you know, just getting into the concert for free and taking photos of these artists doesn't mean my shit's going to be cool because there's a lot of people that still overlook me because my shots. Yeah, I've taken photos of like Roddy Rich or like uh, Rico Nasty, but so what? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can jump into it and take a shitty photo and still think you the shit and then not be the shit. Yeah. 
And that's like the type of shit where it's like now I have to kind of like gatekeep for like other kids and be like, yo, if you really want to get into this shit, you have to really get into it. Because if you're just doing it because it's cool, you're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to enjoy it no more. And you're going to waste money buying a camera. Mm -hmm. Like I've had uh, one of my sister's friends recently asked me, she was like, yeah, I want to get into this photo thing. You know what I'm saying? What camera should I get? And I'm like, okay, so why do you want to do it? And she just says, oh, I just want to take photos and shit. So I was just like, get you a Fuji camera. Because <laughs> if you just want to take photos and that's all you're going to do. <laughs> like, you're not going to expand on it. You just want to take photos. And it's like, okay, well, what's the point in even, you know, wanting to that's take good. photos? No, that, I feel like that's very good. You started them off. You just probably, you might have just have given her the best advice possible. Mm-hmm. Telling her to get a Fuji camera. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, very simple, right? It's a very simple camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It's a, uh, well, the one I was told, it was like a, it's a technical like term, DSLR. Well, uh, not the film one, like that, like shoots out the bottom. It's like, mm-hmm. a, uh, it's one that has like film emulators inside of it. You okay. Know, just because I knew she was kind of like one of the trendy people and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just wanted to take photos. So I was like, shit, get you this camera. You can flip with filters and all that cool stuff. Boom. You just have something you can shoot on. That's the best advice, you know, because creativity has to be constrained and have a purpose. Yeah. And so when you don't constrain it, you overwhelm yourself and you burn yourself out because you're doing too much thinking. Mm Because I remember when I was trying to come up with some logos for the podcast, Mm -hmm. I was coming up, oh, I'll do this. I I was all over the place. But then... I was like, you know, let me just pick something, anything, and let me just draw draw it for three days straight. And I picked, mm-hmm. I, you know, I picked like computers, and I picked like faces, and I picked like stamps, and I started doing it. Mm-hmm. The, the anxiety of not knowing what to draw or not knowing where to go went away. Mm-hmm. And now I was yeah. thinking, oh, I can do this, I can do that. Oh, this is pretty cool. But what if I did this with this? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's. And so if you would have told her to get one of these expensive cameras with all these buttons and dials, she doesn't know what, what this means, what that means. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a very overwhelming for her. Yeah. Cause she'll be all over the place. She'll be like, oh mm-hmm. shit. Cause like, I know I've uh, done that before. Like when I bought my uh, T3i, it was kind of like, um, you know, all these buttons that are and like dials and like, you know, what's the difference between M and TV and AV and, fucking continuous shutter and shit like that like everything was just you know plopped in my hand and i was like okay so what am i supposed to do <laughs> and really like that kind of uh turned me off from photography for a while because i didn't know all these buttons i didn't know like the technical terms and things like that i didn't know what the hell i was doing i would just have mm-hmm. this camera and just snap photos and it just felt you know pointless at some point because i was like mm. I'm just taking photos. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't like really understand that part. Like, cause like you said, you know, you can start with an iPhone. You can start with, you know, a Kodak camera. She can even do a fucking disposable cameras and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, when people, and when people ask me like, what camera should I get? I just be like, I don't know. <laughs> because you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like you saying, uh, when you were drawing and things like that, like drawing the same thing, like, so when I switched to shooting a uh, 35 millimeter, which is like film photography and stuff, that was my thing. Like I would just go out, shoot, 
whatever I find and things like that. And then over time, just like get better and better at it and stuff mm-hmm. because that was like my camera, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just always like a really like, important thing for me is just really just doing whatever you want in a sense, you know? I don't like giving people like advice, advice and stuff. Like just say, hey, do this, do this, do this. And boom, you're golden. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's not going to work for everybody else. Because like, uh, uh, I know, I think it was like back in 2016 or 17. It's a photographer, dude. His name is Brandon Wolfel, right? And Brandon Wolfel's style is basically, he does very trendy, very dreamy, like, photos. But they're all have, like, I think a I know blue that guy. Tint. Yeah, I I and, like, guy, he has, like, yeah. the fairy lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mother was doing that. And everybody and their mother was trying to get into photography to just do that. Because of that, yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, once that shit became super trendy, it became super saturated. And then now everyone else is like jumping into it and shit and just destroying the whole culture behind it and the whole like art piece behind it. Because for one, that's that guy's art. Like he Mm -hmm. shoots that way because that's how he expresses himself. Yeah. Now you have everybody, you know, on, well, RIP Tumblr and Instagram wanting to be Brandon Wolfel and asking him like, Oh, what camera should I get? You know, what camera do you use? And shit. And it's just like, bro, you don't have to do all that. <laughs> like, yeah. I always, uh, like, I don't hate that question. Like, what camera should I get? But it's, it still annoys me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's just, <laughs> I can go days, days on why no, I don't no, like this no, shit. <laughs> when people start biting. When they bite yeah. your style. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. bro I, or even I, other style. Like. I know, I know how you feel. I know, I promise. I can't when I get on when I get on Twitter, I'll mm-hmm. see I'll see like people stealing my fucking tweet style. <laughs> right. And 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 I'll see other like my girlfriend, you know, she was talking about I was I don't know what was his name, Caucasian James. Mm-hmm. Right. Caucasian James is my son. <laughs> right, and I, I think one day she was, she was, she was like, we were in the car. She goes, "Oh man, that Caucasian James guy is so funny." You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, "What, what crazy things would he say today?" And I was like, "Whatever I'm gonna say, that's what he's gonna <laughs> say, right?" Because that's my son. Okay, everything he does, word for word, flow. Like all these guys, they're they're riding my like they. Anyways, so I was very turned off. I was, I mean, I think because like my account was suspended, and I couldn't push shit like I could originally. Yeah. So I, don't know, I, was, I was i was very depressed you couldn't, even couldn't defend yourself too I, like yeah i'd be like oh like who are you i'm like come on uh, <laughs> come on come on like, bro i'm the og <laughs> it's like when and, uh it's like when niggas go to jail and they're like they come back on the block and it's like bro who is you nigga like you ain't been yes, here for years yes like, oh that's, man what really got me down was my inability to express myself because i mean I wasn't the best filmer. I wasn't the best photography person. I just felt like I could say crazy shit, but word it in a way that wasn't too crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why I first started. I, I, at first, I was saying crazy, out of the blue, no boundary type shit. And then mm-hmm. I was like, and then I, you know, I got older. And then my mom and sister found my account. I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you saying? Sitting <laughs> <laughs> like, in the dinner right, table, so. like, uh. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, dang, okay. And then I, I took, then I got into college. And I took English classes and they made us write papers and I 
discovered thesauruses and oh, there's different words for other words and there's different meanings for this, you know, synonyms, all that shit. And so mm-hmm. it became like a competition. And like there are people like, you know, other people who were tweeting funny stuff. I was like, you know what? I could I could say that, but better. Mm-hmm. And that was my mentality. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So like someone would say, oh, you know, these girls doing this or, or they, he would say, oh, these hoes doing that. I'm like, well, women don't like being called hoes. Mm-hmm. So let me say, you know, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to make it more PC. And I noticed when it was more PC, but still a little bit edgy, mm-hmm. it, it got better traction. Yeah, it pops. Because, like, everyone can, like, either everyone can say it or everyone can read it without mm-hmm. being turned off by it and shit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, people like visuals. And I discovered, you know, this is back when Twitter started doing, like, pictures. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm a rebel. I don't like doing what other people do. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember my brother... I was, my brother was walking me to school in the, in the first grade and I had two collared shirts on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. I had uh, a white collared shirt and I had a red collared shirt on top of it. Oh, and, yeah, and, 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 you know, and we, and we, you know, we lived in the hood and you'd get made fun of for shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my brother, he, he was quick to fight somebody if, over disrespect. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get where he was coming. He was like, yo, man, take that shit off. <laughs> and then so take April, that shit. Me look bad. <laughs> I'm like, nah, man, I look good. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> he like gives you that uh, pat on the side. It's like, hey, man, listen, you know, I'm cool with it. But like these niggas right here, they not cool with that. So you're going to have to like lighten up a little bit. <laughs> not, not even, nah, man, because he, he, you know, he was you know, he was beating up everybody in the neighborhood. So, Dang. yeah. So it wasn't even like he was, a. it was just more so he didn't want to get into another fight again because of me, <laughs> you know, cause he's, you know, he's gotten into many fights because of, <laughs> and so we're walking down, he's walking me to school and he's still harping on like, yo man, take like, come on, bro. Just pick one shirt, pick one. Okay. The red or the, the red, the red or the white. And so I'm like, no. And so he, he grabs me. He's like, come on, take off the shirt. And then this old black guy, in the apartment, hey man, leave him alone. <laughs> and he's like, "This is my brother. I don't care if it's your sister. Leave him alone." <laughs> All right, now, little boy, walk. And he, and he made my brother stand there while I, you know, got some distance. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh shit, man, he gonna be mad." <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, what was what was I talking about, man? Uh, t-shirt, brothers. Now, nah, what was the, what was the main point about? Oh, anyways, doing crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the pictures, yeah, pictures on Twitter. And so then, um, I started like posting little funny photos, like with the puns that attached to the photo. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so now it tells a story, right? I was like, okay, well, let me, let me tell a story on Twitter yeah. because back then people just, oh, I'm going to the, I'm going to go eat a burger. I'm mm-hmm. going to go do my nail. I'm like, that's whack. Nobody wants to hear that shit. That's lame. And I mean, I would say the same thing, but add a funny photo or something, mm-hmm. something weird that like really, if you clicked on it and you clicked away, you'd click back again. Like, oh, what the heck? I, you missed that. Yeah. It's and, like, uh, it was like when you had, uh, I forgot what you had on the table or like on the counter or something, but like your feet were like face outwards and shit. Yeah. And like when yeah. you open it, it's just like, bro, why is this nigga's feet <laughs> like this? <laughs> I remember seeing that shit in college and I was just crying in class because I was just like, bro, this is the most wildest shit ever. Yeah, man. I was, I was pushing all. And, and so then I was like, okay. Um, and then 
I pushed it another step further and I wanted to do four photos, right? I wanted to tell a story in four pictures, mm-hmm. but with minimal wording. Mm-hmm. And I got real, I got real good at it. And, you know, that's how that has developed. But then, you know, they shut, they, you know, they, they suspended me. And I was like, damn, man, I can't talk shit no more. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I stopped, I mean, I feel like the reason why I was so up to date with current events was so I can go tweet something funny about it. Like that was the incentive, <laughs> right? And when I lost it, I was like, I, I, I didn't know what was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know Trump was still president. I was just in my room sleeping till like three p.m. Going to work every day. Dang. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, I got to do something. So I started the podcast. You know, uh-huh. the podcast has been like more so for me than for anybody else because it allowed me to, you know, interact with people and stay up to date with current events. And I, you know, it challenged my brain because, like, man, bro, the podcast. You might think you're hearing this conversation, it's easy, and you know, they're having a lot of fun and it's it's very cool, but nah, man, like so much <laughs> pain and thought and sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a, a tear drop here and there came out, but <laughs> not too many tears uh went into this. Cause like even researching what's an RSS feed, oh I gotta do this, I gotta pay this. Oh man, I didn't need to pay mm-hmm. that. Another outlet will do it for you. I'm, I was like, oh God. But and then and then I get to you know okay how to start a podcast i figure it out okay this is how you do it a plus b equals z cool mm-hmm. now what are you going to talk about you know how is it going to look the logo website designing brand i was like okay i'm back this is it i like mm-hmm. this you know because it 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 was a challenge that never ended you know this is a challenge for me that will never end because even if i get good at speaking i could work on something else i could be a better editor Mm-hmm. Right. I can maybe get an assistant and the person that person works on, you know, coming out with different types of content under, you know, the same umbrella. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's many things you can do with this. And that's why I like the podcast so much because it's it's not limiting. And I hate being limited. I hate pe- being put in a box. Yeah. Because that's stifling. That's the worst thing ever. Oh, definitely. Cause yeah, because it's basically kind of just like you using this podcast to really like you know, just grow as an individual and like just as an artist, because at the end of the day, you still are an artist because you're creating like, you know, some content mm-hmm. and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, you can, you know, you started a podcast, you don't be stuck stuck in a box. And now like you can have other people like join in on the podcast and or like, mm-hmm. you know, interact just kind of like how me and you are doing right now and shit. And then mm-hmm. that just grows even more because shit, a lot of my friends probably don't even know like who you are and shit. And now like, now that they do, it's like, wow, now you have, like, more ideas coming in and stuff, and, like, you just mm-hmm. growing and stuff. And, shit, you can even, like, practice what you're supposed to do in life in general with this. Yeah. Because, like, I know, like, personally for me, like, my whole passion was, like, music and stuff, like, ever since I was younger, like, even before I was born and stuff, like, my mom, she used to tell me all the time, like, uh, you know, when she would play music and stuff, like, you could see, like, my hands moving and shit, because I would always, like, you know, be about the beat. Like, always have to have, like, something in my head just going and shit, because mm-hmm. music is just, you know, everything I liked. Like, uh, even, like, when I was super young, like, I used to listen to freaking Jay-Z and, like, Lil Wayne, like, on a, a disc player and shit. Just blast that shit yeah. from, like, fucking, like, Saturdays, wake up, 10 a.m., go to sleep, 1 a.m., just music in my room creating shit 
all the mm-hmm. time, all the time and stuff. And then, uh, you know, going into high school, you know, I still listen to music, wanted to DJ. I used to do like house music and stuff. Hey. Uh, yeah, man. Like that shit was a vibe, low key. That's what's up. That's what's up. Look at you. Yeah, man. It was, one of these days, I'm just probably like, fuck it and just get back into it. But, you know, I'm kind of like in high school, I went to this little, um, I got blessed to go to this freaking uh, technical school like a half a day throughout my high school. So like I would go technical school in the morning, come back, go to school and then just go home. And then at technical school, I was kind of like trying to work on just doing, you know, music or videos and stuff because that was just my main two focus. <clears throat> and I remember like one time, teacher, he had an assignment to do photos. And it was uh, using lighting and stuff and having like the different like terms of it and different angles and stuff. Like, you know, like when you do like a light from the bottom, it's like a horror light. We do a light from the side. It's like a kind of like a deep, serious type of uh, photo. Or if you do like a light in the front and it's like, you know, a portrait and things like that. I don't know how or when or what kind of like snapped me into like, oh, let me take photos. But now I'm like, you know, going through, you know, taking photos like for a couple of years and stuff. It's brought me to like music photography. And it's just like. Mm-hmm. Now I'm closer to the music industry and I thought I would be, you know, doing what I was doing before that class. Hey, look at that. Look at yeah. that. Everything comes full circle, huh? Yeah, it does. It's universe is crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. Concert photography, man. Like how how do you how are you liking it? Like I enjoy it for real because one, I do get it for free. And two, like I just like the energy. You know what I mean? Like I like the energy from the artist and the crowd and like being in between that shit. Because being in the barricades, like, you just feel both sides of it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I remember during a Rico show, I photographed Rico Nasty uh, last year on my birthday, which was fucking tight. Like, I literally manifested that shit on Twitter one time. I was like, I need to shoot Rico Nasty for my birthday, period. And then, boom, that's how it, like, just came up three days later. But, uh, like, yeah, being in between the barricade and stuff and, like, you know, being that close to Rico Nasty and then like looking behind me and it's like a bunch of girls behind me and shit like screaming for her and hey, shit. And I was hey. like, yo, this is this is tight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's funny like seeing like artists reactions to shit too. Like um, during that show, I had uh, bought some cheap like star filters for my camera and one of them like fell, cracked and broke. But I put that bitch back on there and then I took a photo of Rico. She kind of looked at me funny because you can see like glass like falling out of it oh, while man. I was taking the photos. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, dang. So I know like whenever I do meet her again, I'm like, yo, remember that time in Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's real cool. Yeah. You know, did you see that Travis, have you seen that video with Travis Scott throwing off the photographer off the stage? Yeah, I seen that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fucked. I mean, that's funny. That's funny. But man, that shit kind of bothers me sometimes because... <laughs> That's fucked up. That's real fucked I mean, up. I s- now, like, being in the industry like that, now I s- kind of see why he did that, though. You feel me? Because... Tell me what's up. Why? So, like, there will be guys that I feel personally don't deserve to be up there on the stage with the artists and stuff that'll get up there and they'll do some shit work. Like, or they'll be in the artist's way. Because you know Travis Scott, he's a very energetic person. He has to be all across the stage. 100% of the time and stuff. 
So like, I feel like with that guy, he was kind of like hindering, you know, Travis to doing what he's supposed to do because Travis is supposed to, you know, bring his energy onto the crowd of like probably like a million people, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want somebody to come up on your stage and take that spotlight away from you. So that's kind of like, that's why I kind of like see his point of view in it and things like that. So I was like, hmm, it's a little justified. Like he wasn't that much of an asshole for it. He didn't treat it, okay. you know, he didn't handle it the right way. But, but, the, but the photographer should have knew better, right? Yeah, because we do have boundaries. Like we can't like get in the artist's face and shit like that unless we personally know the artist. Like point blank, period. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Have you ever had the urge to jump like on stage? Have you? Oh, all the fucking get... time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time, man. It's 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 a lot of discipline, mm-hmm. definitely. Because especially like if it's a stage with like steps to it, oh mm. man, like. I'm like, yo, I can, so <laughs> I can close, go up right? there and stuff, you know, bust a move real quick. But then you have to take the count. They have security and then the artist will stop fucking with you. And then sometimes even the venue will not, not fuck with you if you mm. like break with the rules. So it's like, fuck. Like. Man, these, these security guards, man, they will stomp a motherfucker out. Oh. Uh, and and throw them on, <laughs> throw them back into the crowd like a fucking piece of paper, man. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> And they don't be like some punks easy. Like they like security on cameras, that's security in real life. Like they will choke slam your ass. No questions asked. It's like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Who's the uh, who's like the biggest artist? Okay, two questions, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the biggest artist you shot for? Mm-hmm. And then who was the best artist to shoot for? Uh, the biggest artist I've shot for was Roddy Rich, and that was like uh, when his uh, when his freshman album came out. Please excuse my uh, antisocial. Like that concert was stupid. It was packed up capacity, and it was just just a different type of energy. Like I've never felt you know that many people in one room, and then just having like that you know energy from him. To them, bouncing up and shit, and I was like, wow, this is a really important ass nigga. <laughs> Cause kind like, of intoxicating, huh? That energy, the vibe oh, of being. Oh, it's crazy intoxicating, but it's, um, fuck, it's influencing too. Because, you know, when I'm down there shooting and shit like that, I like to dance, you know, by myself anyway. So, like, I'll get down there and I'm like, yo, this is, I gotta do my job, but I'm also vibing to this song. But uh, the best artist that I've shot for was Xavier Wolf because just like his uh, it's uh, he kind of meets my style and shit because my style personally is like you know who is this artist who are they portraying and how are they gonna do during the concert right and Xavier Wolf he's kind of like you know he's the wolf he's the pack leader and shit. And so, like, a lot of times, like, he'll, like, interact with the crowd and, like, all those, you know, everyone's hands would, like, go up towards him and shit. Mm-hmm. And he just basically made it easier for me to, like, frame a good shot and, like, tell a full story. So, yeah. Xavier That's Wolf, cool. definitely. Who's Ooh. the coolest artist? Or is it the, Xavier Wolf? Uh, the coolest artist? I mean, like, have you gotten to meet them? Mm-mm, not yet. I've, uh, it's like, I've gotten, like, 
kind of like the entry level uh, concert photography and stuff. So like I'm still like in the crowd or like on the barricade and stuff. I haven't like gotten like all the way into uh, meeting them yet. <clears throat> Was gonna be uh, Young Dolph, but that shit got canceled. I was like, fuck. But because of Corona or when his yeah. car got shot up? Because of uh, Corona. Okay, uh, that's pretty cool. I like Dolph. Dolph, Dolph is crazy. He's a he's a he's my guilty pleasure because you know when you see me in person and shit, you know I'm kind of short, five seven or whatever, things like that. I don't give that's up not like, short. like the hood. That's not people. short, bro. That's not mm. short. That's, that's that's regular height. Don't 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 <laughs> let them shame you. Don't let them shame you. Okay. Don't don't let them do that to you, bro. Hey, listen. I love the shortness though, for real, for real. Because I'm like, it's like for tall women and shit. I'm at titty height, so I can like hug tall women, face full of titties. <laughs> Can't do that no more. But you know, back when I could, it's just a vibe. I fucks with it. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people out in uh Missouri or Kansas City or whatever, they're they're corn fed. Like they're huge. So it's like, mm, yeah. It's advertised everywhere else, but here it's still kind of a little a little guy, but I still fuck with it, nevertheless. What's the difference between shooting at a concert and just shooting regularly? What are the differences? So um Shooting regularly, you kind of have control of more things. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're shooting in a studio or if you're like you're doing like you know portraits outside and stuff, you can control what your subject is doing, right? Now, concerts, you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Like everything is random. Someone can get thrown off stage. Someone can like puke on you. Someone like the artist can fall and shit. You never know what's going to happen. And so for concerts, it's like you have like a split moment of like, you know, capturing something. You never know like what's going to happen and shit. Like it's always like on go, on go, on go. There's never like stopping unless like the artist does, you know, a slow song or something. I don't know. But outside of that, yeah, you have more control because like if I'm in the studio, I can tell someone, you know, lift your arm. All right, cool. Put it down. All right, cool. Sit down. All right, cool. Like, well, you know, I, I mean, more technical. Like, I know technical. you guys can't shoot with low lights. Like, you guys have to shoot in low lights without for flash. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, we don't, we can't blind the artist. Like, that's just one of the main things. Some artists are cool with it, uh, depending on like who you are. Like, um, Ray's corrupted mind. He can shoot flash, or like uh, Gunner sells white. He can shoot flash and stuff because that's what they're known for. Like, they have the credentials to do that. But like us normal concert photographers, yeah, it's no no flash. You have to shoot low light. Um, you have to kind of like, mm, I'm going to drop a gem real quick. All right. So boom. When you're shooting concerts, unless you're outside, you can't shoot under ISO 800, which is like the, um, the camera's eye, like open it up a little bit more and stuff to let more light in. You got to shoot like between 800 or like 1600 or whatever camera that you have that can even probably go higher than 1600, you have to shoot at that type of deal. And you can't like really shoot, you know, with a high aperture, I mean, a super low aperture. You have to like adjust everything for that type of setting. You feel me? What happens? Um, so if you shoot at like lower and things like that, you either have it super underexposed or you'll have super shaky images. 
and it's really hard to like edit that type of deal because you have to like bring exposure up when editing it and then it comes out grainy or too grainy that you don't like or you know something comes out super shaky and then you have like a full you know catalog of just shaky images and shit because you can take um up to probably like a thousand photos from one concert and that's with um so depending on the venue that's with like three songs max from each set so you could be you know it's like when i was shooting rico and things like that it was two sets right it's two sets three songs each one first girl i shot like 300 photos and then for rico i shot like a thousand two hundred photos and since I didn't know like the full technical terms for some of them, I was kind of just like, hmm. When I went back to editing, I was like, fuck, these look okay. Because I didn't have like, you know, enough lighting or it was too shaky and things like that. So it's it's stressful. <laughs> what do you what do you do with the photos? Like what happens? You have a thousand pictures of this. You know what's crazy about being a concert photography? Like nowhere else. If you Someone found out you had a thousand pictures of someone you didn't know. <laughs> Some <It'll seem> creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'd be the creepy photographer guy. But what do you do? Like, do you save them for future purposes? Do you own the image, or like, what happens? So, um, I own everything that I take. Like, it's just point blank period. Because, because uh, you have to shoot. Um, well, I personally tell everybody to shoot in raw, which is a uh, you know, having the file become like a larger file and stuff, you can, you know, create more colors into it, blah, blah, blah. So I keep like everything just in case, you know, that I do want to go back and like re-edit them and stuff. Because, you know, you never know what you're going to create later on, right? Like I can go in and my full aesthetic is really just black and white photos of artists. But like, say I go into the, to my old files and I want to make something colorful or I don't want to make like a collage or something. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I do with them. So like I have two flash drives right now, just full of like a stupid amount of photos just sitting there, just waiting for me to like re-edit over and over again, because you never know like what you can really re- like release afterwards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's this girl, she's uh, her name is on Instagram is like, I like your face. And she shoots underexposed, right? But her style is she'll shoot underexposed and then she'll like bloom it up later on and to make it like a super vintage photo. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dang, I wonder how many photos she has now. Because it'll either be like a collage or it'll be like the same photo, like mixed up. It's just something, you know. I would always, uh, I, that's why I just kind of like just keep everything. Now, like the things that I do like that I want to like share out and things like that or like, Say the artist needs it, you know, a day or two after or the day of, then I'll just pick like, you know, certain things that look cool and be like, all right, cool. Throw a filter or do a little bit of design on it and stuff and then send it to them and see what they say about it. Do they pay you? Uh, No. But so like, I guess like right now the, the form of payment, because I'm not like up there, up there in concert photography yet, is just getting into the shows for free. And then sometimes even getting like access to like, you know, being on stage and stuff. So that's like their whole payment for it right now. That's good. Um, that's real good. Because I feel like 
I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but sometimes you got to pay your dues. But also you got to remember uh, when you become established, you know, you mm-hmm. make sure you get you make sure you get paid. And like, but they are, uh, it's mainly because they have more experience doing it, too, because it really is like all about your experience and like how you work and what you can bring to these brands. So say like I want to shoot for Interscope one day and then, you know, I shoot them my portfolio and they like it Then they would like fly me out somewhere, pay me to shoot these artists and shit and use those. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's how you like get money off of it. Right. So say, you know, that company uses those photos, but you add like a royalties contract contract on it. So now every time they post that photo, you get the clicks. And boom, you get more money coming back towards you. Mm. Yeah. What if, so that's what I'm trying to like. What if you became like a photographer for like, you know, Adobe? I mean, don't like you can what like you submit photos to like the stock images and if people buy it, don't you? I, I don't know. That could be something you can look into, too. Oh, definitely. I, I encourage people to do that, too. I personally don't do it yet. Only because I still have to work on, like, me personally, I have to work on, like, products and, like, you know, pitching that to brands that I'm not affiliated with yet. You feel me? Because mm. uh, getting onto Adobe, it's not impossible and it's doable and man, it will be doable. Because, like, the stock image game, man, that's that's a, that's money right there. It's crazy. Yeah. You don't think about it when you go to websites and you see, like, okay, like, there's so many times I've oh, I kind of look up this image for this and then I'll click it. Oh, you got to pay. 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 Damn. Let me go take it myself. Let me. uh, Many times I'm like, you know, I should just go be a photographer. So I, you know, because one thing about me, I hate being told no. And if you tell me no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure out how to go do it better than you did. (laughs) Uh, But that's crazy. Uh, How do you... um, how did you like get the into these shows for free? Like, how do you get the press passes, media releases? How do you, how do you how do you go about that? Um, mainly just talking to people. Really, like, uh, there's a venue out in Kansas that I'm really cool with now. Um, so story time. Basically, what happened was one of my homies. He's a rapper, right? He's like, "Yo, I want you to photograph you for the show." Cool. Got me in contact with the venue. And I was like, yeah, I'm photographing his show, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, cool, pull up. We got you a ticket and a press pass. Cool. And then, you know, once you build that relationship with that venue and you do a good job and they like what you're doing and shit, then you can easily just, you know, shoot them an email or call them like, yo, is this, um, you know, I want to photograph this person and shit. And like, all right, cool. We'll lock you down. And boom, that's like step one. Or... What I also do is uh, I have a homeboy who owns his own um, his like music blog and stuff. Right. So I have him shoot the email for me. That way I can just get into the venue for free, too. Mm-hmm. So it's really like different ways that you can do it. Like if you can talk real good and you can like write a good email and stuff, venues will just eat that up. They're like, All right, cool. We want you to come in. OK, so focus on the venue. Yeah. And do like you, folks on the V, do you hmm? go, hey, my name is Wes and I'm a photographer or is it, hey, my name is Wes and I'm from the Shocking Arts uh, production company. 
how do you go how do you so present yourself so like uh how i do it is i just say hey my name is wes i'm a photographer i like the artists that you want to um, bring into your venue may i have credentials to shoot that show and then i'll shoot them like you know a couple photos um if i've taken them in the venue already and stuff then you know that's even double points so i'll shoot them a couple photos and they're like oh okay yeah we'll bring you in just you know come on down here and stuff we got your ticket ready or uh sometimes you're not supposed to do this but <laughs> you can sneak your shit in too so i've uh i've done that plenty of times like i've done that for uh black bear I've done that for Lecrae and then shit, I forgot who else I snuck into because I've done this shit way too many times. But that's another way to get into it as well. Mm, okay. It doesn't really build like the best relationship with the venue, but at the same time, you know, you're still getting photos for them. So you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. You got to be a scumbag one time or not or another. That's good. I feel like that might be maybe my next step i feel i I would like to um grow the citizens of the internet to encompass all forms of media Uh, Mm -hmm. i i I feel like my mentality is for the internet by the internet Mm -hmm. right because i look at facebook i look at twitter i look at instagram i look at tiktok and like I said, the ripple, right? It's gone. You know, what happened to mm-hmm. the original plot? Um, back then on Instagram, right? Like people, you know, the goal was to take cool photos on an iPhone, but now people started like coming into the game with DSLRs and I'm like, what the heck? You know, that really changed the game. And then, mm-hmm. I, and then it, 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 it's transformed into something you don't even recognize anymore. And something gross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like, People want that back. People want that small feel of, you know, people that that have talent, mm-hmm. but just can't get the exposure. Yeah. And you know what's crazy about Instagram? Uh, I was reading this like the other day and someone was like, uh, when Instagram first started, it had the, uh, it had the logo of a Polaroid, right? Because it was inspired by Polaroids. And like how all the old filters were like, you know, you're taking a Polaroid photo and then you put that filter onto your Instagram and boom, it's that instant photo and shit. Mm-hmm. And so like now, uh, like you said, it's just become something totally different, especially with the shopping shit. Like, why is Instagram turning into Etsy? Like, there's no point in that. But at the same time, it's like it just took away the whole feel of Instagram because you know, at first it was just a photography app, you know, just to uh, pretty much instantly post what you see right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of weird how it's kind of, um, it's sort of coming into a full circle in a sense, because on one end, you know, you still have like the trendy stuff where it's like, you know, fashion brands and stuff. And then on the other end, you still have the photography stuff and like how, you know, like you said, people were taking photos with DSLRs. Now they're going back to like the film thing, right? So it's kind of weird how like it's still it's morphing into something else, but it's still keeping like that same basic thing that it was doing before. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen a lot more uh film photographers jump on Instagram 
than in like a short time than I've seen like DSLR people. Because you're still getting like that old photo feel. It's yeah, blaring uh, blast. <laughs> nostalgia, nostalgia is a very powerful tool to harness mm-hmm. for all the people out there that want to build brands. Because when you use nostalgia, it's easier. It's it's a lot easy to push the idea because they're already have been. They've already come around the idea, and they can grasp mm-hmm. the idea. Right, but I'm sure mm-hmm. when, <clears throat> whenever this first idea of using films first came onto the whole camera scene, people were like, yo, that's that's crazy. Like, who does that? You're weird, mm-hmm. right? We stand here, yeah. for, we stand here for eight hours, and we look in front of this box, <laughs> right? And we don't move, <laughs> and that's how, and, a, and that's how a picture is taken. God damn it! <laughs> but, and, and you know, so uh, who, who was it? Anyways, you you definitely, you know, because I like, I like playing true to my roots, right? I, I like, I like mm-hmm. bringing back a lot of my old influences into a lot of my work that I don't mm-hmm. show online. It's more in public with, you know, friends and family. Like when I, when I went away from Twitter, um, I was throwing a lot of parties and events because I felt like I had to do something. And at first I threw a, I threw a, you know, it was my, you know, my girlfriend's birthday and she always talked about how she wished we went to prom together. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, like why, you know, why can't we do that? Yeah. So I, I threw a, a prom party at my house and I was like, everyone dress up, wear a suit and tie and a dress and we are going to reenact prom again. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we, we did a whole, you know, homecoming King vote. It was, it was real fun and it was real fun yeah. and nice. And that's sick. Yeah. You know, and, and, but listen, man, getting that idea off the ground, that shit, I was like, bro, like, this shit's, you know, a lot of people like, why would I do that for? That's lame, blah, 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 that's lame, that's lame. And, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people that didn't want to come when, the, when I, you know, because you always got to drop photos, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's my, my mom ingrained that in me. She always says, whatever you do, make sure you take photos. Because, <laughs> if, you, because, if, you, because if you don't take photos, you are never there. <laughs> and I was like, That's a, I was like, no, you, you just want to see what I did, you know, because I feel like it was her being nosy. But now it mm-hmm. really made, you know, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what that's what Europeans did to rewrite history. Right. Mm-hmm. They they come clear out shit and then they change the art. Mm-hmm. And so no one is there to tell the another, you know, no one is there to counteract the story or say, hey, that's not true. And if you do say that you're silenced. Yeah. So, because like you ain't got proof. Uh huh. And so, so when I dropped the photos, you know, people, like, hey man, invite me to the next event. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Click. <laughs> and you know, then when I came up with another idea, you know, they're like, hey, you know, can we throw a Halloween party? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, let's come up with some ideas. This time, you know, people were coming to like, hey, like I have an idea. Can we develop it? You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And yeah. Um, I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's uh, maybe do Disney. You're like, no, 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 no. So then we did like, we went cyberpunk, right? Like techno, mm-hmm. neo. Cause I, when I used to watch, I was obsessed with movies from the nineties and eighties or n- mostly the nineties, mm-hmm. like the rave, the rave aspect of the nineties, you know, they were doing drugs and LSD and shrooms and yeah. the lights would be purple. And, you know, I, I grew up very Christian and conservative and the nightclub 
in you know Nigerian culture, like you can't do that. The devil goes there. You you'll die. There's AIDS. There's sin. <laughs> Don't do it. So I had to, I, <laughs> so I had to get like my nightclub, you know, uh, fill from the movies. And so then, mm-hmm. when my friend asked me about you know the Halloween party, let's throw it together. I was like, let's do neon lights because I got that from you know the '90s movies I used to watch, and we decorated a certain how. And I was like, you know, let's let's create a mural. Like, let's let's do like a mural or a skyline of the city of this imaginary city that we're creating in cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we did it, and people came and like, man, that party was lit. It was live as fuck. Uh, man, I was I was drunk. I had to go to work the next morning, but I had a time of my Dang. life. Yeah, I had the time of my life, man. It was fun as hell. Um, and so after it's always the, an important part, man. Huh. That's always an important part. Though. Yeah, having fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Cause like, I can't explain like how many times like I've done like some cool shit like like even like okay so I used to dance in high school right, and that was mm-hmm. uh that was when a uh, nonstop came out and stuff the whole like dubstep dancing and shit yeah like the guy in the uh the blue flannel he's like in the little uh like a little mall entrance or whatever and shit. And he's just like dancing a dubstep. It's like, I used to do that shit. Right. And a lot of niggas would be like, Oh man, that's weird, bro. We're doing that fucking step up shit. It's just like, bro, like <laughs> you can't do it. And it's just like, yeah, like a whole mob of people are like, man, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And then now like, you know, once that traction, you know, got up where like, I was just doing these dance videos by myself and like, just, doing whatever I want, just vibing and shit. Everyone else is like, yo, this is amazing. Like, you can really do this shit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now it's just like, well, in high school, it was, uh, I got invited to do a freaking assembly. And I had two other people with me. And we did this routine. And I remember, like, the whole time I was sit- sitting there, like, bro, this is going to be kind of iffy. Like, I don't know how this is going to work and shit. Mm-hmm. Once we, like, do the assembly, it's just crowd is ah! hey. bitches is like yo this is fucking tight hey. you was that dancing nigga and just like wow <laughs> I just I was just doing this for shits and giggles <laughs> now nah, you yeah. a dancing nigga okay that's what's yeah. up good shit good yeah, shit man. so it's like so it's, it's, it's kind of incredible how like you can just like you said with the ripple effect you can just drop something and everyone else is like okay that's amazing. And they just add their own little ripples in. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, like, cause your idea with like, you know, the Halloween party, that's fire. Like a lot of people don't like really do shit just to, you know, do it because they enjoy it or like they want someone else to enjoy it and stuff. People are always like, Oh, I have to do this to look cool. I have to do this, you know, just because, you know, everyone else is doing this shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, bro, you're just doing it just because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it always seems so much more beautiful after that. I feel like after college, when you graduate college, mm-hmm. people don't people don't understand that you have to create your own fun after that. Like after you graduate college, you create your own fun. And yeah. how many times can you go to the bar? How many times can you go to the club? How many times can you do that? How many times can you go try to pick up girls and get rejected? How many times? How many times? That's, come on, that's whack. Yeah, that's lame. I've been it's never in the cycle too. Yeah, man, I, I I did that shit sophomore year of college. Been there, done that. Right, I'm in a relationship. I'm I'm focused. 
on building a company. I could care less about going out too much. I mean, going out is cool, but I'm not like a shut in. But after all, it's mm-hmm. like the same thing. And the people who are coming out, they're not even trying to have fun. They're just out there to be seen. So now they're, mm-hmm. they're draining the energy from the atmosphere. So I was like, let's, you know, let's do our own thing. Like, let's let it be intimate with our friend group. And, you know, let's really try to have fun like we used to back in high school and middle school, like when we felt alive. Because mm-hmm. everyone, they're all dead inside. Everyone's depressed. Everyone, come on. Like, life is what you make it. Life doesn't start. You got to make that shit start. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Uh, so like, so with that being said, like, how do you feel, um, how like life is going to be like after, you know, COVID and things like that when it comes to like social gatherings and stuff, because, um, you know, before people have like house parties or they would have like small kickbacks and shit. And I feel like, um, like, cause personally for me, I feel like the kickback is going to be like the main thing nowadays. Like, what is your take on that? Well, people are still going to the clubs right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> pe- you know, people are, I don't think, I think a lot of people are in denial. And for, mm-hmm. the, and for the people who are not in denial, they're thinking of, they're thinking of ways to overcome this problem. I've, I have literally thought of many ways to overcome that problem too, because, and I've written down like how to, like how to take steps. Just think about it, you know, people are going to the restaurants, right? Limited capacity, mm-hmm. but they're not, they're not cleaning those seats off. They're not cleaning the oh, table. No. Right. But, and then we're starting to learn more information about the virus. People, the fear people had uh, is kind of going away. Right. We, you know, you, we understand that you, you have to kind of be in the room for 15 minutes with someone speaking over you mm-hmm. and you just sitting there. Right. But say there's a fan or air condition or, you know, there's a, a way for the, you know, the particles to move and not hit your face. If you open a window, there's mm-hmm. less, you see what I'm saying? There's less likely ways to contract it. And I saw videos of, you know, people in, they were doing a rave in China or Asia somewhere. They had like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they had baggies, right? They had baggies with straws. So people could sip alcohol out of the straw without putting their lips on the can, right? And now mm-hmm. you, you overcome the problem of misplacing cups, that's saliva transfer. You see what I'm saying? Now you have your baggie, yeah. you write your name on your baggie, and you're good. No one, you know, you, you can't misplace that baggie again. Yeah. Which I fully support, because shit, if I can put some, you know, Ciroc in my fucking pocket for a <laughs> second, I'm cool with that. Yeah, man. You, that's the thing. People don't want to innovate. They, they, you know, they're so used to something, and then when they're told mm-hmm. no, they throw a fit. Oh, yeah, you know, no, the world hasn't ended. The world has just changed. Are you going mm-hmm. to let this destroy you or are you going to rise above it? Yeah. And that's a, that's a perfect, like, you know, that's a perfect thing to, like, tell, like, any artist and shit, too. Because as an artist, you should always, like, try to, you know, change some shit. Like, you never want to be stagnant with your own style. <clears throat> you never want to, like continue on to keep doing the same thing over and over again because you'll burn out and eventually you'll probably your art will just die mm-hmm. at that point like uh i can't tell you how many times i was like just changed my style over the past like six years that i've taken photography uh seriously like 
I personally like will say when I was first doing concert photography, it was all about like shadows and silhouettes and shit. Right. And then, you know, I went over to like the trendy photography where it was like portraits and fairy lights and vivid colors and stuff. And then like I would change another thing. It's like, yo, I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's not working. It's not Mm -hmm. fitting. It's not comfortable. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, when you keep doing the same thing over and over again, like whether it be art or like going to clubs, it doesn't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. At all, because you're just, just constantly just doing a cycle, being on the hamster wheel. You, so, well, you mean it gets too comfortable, or it, or you you're um, not you're not comfortable, but you're it, more so like there's no effort anymore. Yeah, there's no effort anymore, and because for, for me that makes me uncomfortable. Like if I feel like I'm just doing something just to be doing it, just mm-hmm. because I'm in this pattern of doing it and stuff. I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to like hate myself. I'm going to like go into like a deep, dark place and shit. Cause it's like, dang, this is all I can do. Yeah, That's you, it. You need a reason. There needs to be a drive. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And I, I, people are afraid of the unknown and they're mm-hmm. afraid of going into the dark, but they don't understand that. That's where you need to go. That's mm-hmm. those are where all the answers lie because if you had the answer you would have solved the problem you see what i'm saying but you don't so therefore somewhere in that scary forest somewhere in something you don't want to do that's where the key is because i i remember um i so i was like i was like 250 pounds i was very overweight uh i had very bad knees my health was shit um i was depressed and I was like, you know, I got to change my life. And mm-hmm. I'd, I'd lie to myself on my journey. Oh, you know, as long as I just work out, I can eat whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But like that wasn't helping. You know, I was in denial. Or I was like, you know, I was trying to like stay, be comfortable. I didn't want to, mm-hmm. I didn't want to push myself too much. But you know, I, I used to wrestle, right? I was Olympic level wrestling, uh, mm-hmm. top of my game, district champion, state champion. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I know how to push myself, but I was like, dang, man, all the, like that work I did was so taxing. And I don't know if I had the, if I don't know if my, the body I have now will perform mm-hmm. like it did because you can't just start running a marathon. You got to like do a couple steps. You got to train for that marathon. Yeah, man. And, and so I was, you know, I, I was like, okay, well I have to cut my calories. I got to stop eating as much calories every day. And burn more calories than I'm consuming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first, you know, it was working, it was cool, but I wasn't losing weight fast enough. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, let me wake up at 5 a.m. every day and just work out for like two hours. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so then you, I think, oh, wow, two hours, that's a lot. But this working out isn't just like sitting there running on the treadmill for two hours or sitting on the bench press for two hours. No, it was more so you're away from everything. You're away from everyone. And it's just you and your thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? You can't hide from your thoughts. You can't hide from it because you're stuck there for two hours. Yeah. Right. So it's a type of meditation. It was, it was, it was very, I swear to God, I've gained so much insight during my 5 a.m. two hour workout sessions. And sometimes I'd even just like stretch for maybe 30 minutes. Right. Like I just, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I would 
I learned how to take, cause like I used to rush everything, right? That was one thing about me. I always wanted to rush and get shit out there. I had to get content out there. Even if it was sloppy, if it was shitty, I had to be the first on the market to drop it. Cause I felt like, you know, a, I didn't have that. Like I wasn't a perfectionist. I felt like if you chase perfection, it's crazy. And that's crazy talk. That was like my mindset, but that was, it was too, it was too drastic of a thought. You should still try to create quality work. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. um, and then I would get overwhelmed because I wanted it to look a certain way and it didn't look like it. But I'm like, you know, and I see someone else's work and I'm like, why can't I do it? Like, what about them is different? What's going mm-hmm. on? And then, you know, uh, I realize it's because I'm rushing. I'm always in a hurry. Yeah. I'm always in a hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Go, 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 go. So I feel like when I gained all that weight, that was like, hey, you know, you're not going to lose that in a couple mm-hmm. months. You're not going to lose that in a couple of days. Okay. So you're, you have to mentally prepare for the long haul. This is the long game. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. when it, I was like, oh shit. Okay. Makes sense. Like it's not about instant gratification. It's about, mm-hmm. And, and, and not just that, I, f- and I, um, I feel like people don't understand that tomorrow doesn't exist. Tom- you know, when people say, what are you doing tomorrow? Before, they used to say, what are you doing 10 hours from now? Yeah. Right? What are you doing seven days from now? Because there is no tomorrow. All there is is just now. Yeah. You know, we live, that's what infinity is. Like, we are in an infinite loop of now. And so, yeah. in order to organize because time is like, you know, time is another dimension and we can't, because we live in a 3D, you know, plane with mm-hmm. physical touch, time is a concept. And so you have to kind of break it down to the caveman to understand what time is. So you, okay, well here, let's break it down. Okay. Year, 36, 30, 365 days in a year. And then mm-hmm. you have 12 months, right? And then you have 30 to maybe 31, 29 days, blah, blah, blah in the month. And then you got uh, okay, how, how many hours are in a day? Okay, 24 hours in a day, right? Well, and then, mm-hmm. So you break it down to the simple second, one mm-hmm. second, right? That unit of measurement that you can understand. Okay, one second, that's it. Boom. And so, it, it, so now when you can master the now, you can now master the future. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Because you know, okay, that's seven hours from now. So now you budget your time-wise, okay, 1 a.m. from 1 a.m., the me now is going to do this. 2 a.m., mm-hmm. the me now is going to do that. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So w- that all made sense. So when I work on projects now and, you know, my, I didn't know how to paint. And that was a, like I ran away from painting because that was the hardest shit in the world to me. But my girlfriend, mm-hmm. she was like, she's like the, to me, she's like Picasso. She, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Oh, swipe. It's like watching the Bob Ross video. And he's building a forest <laughs> <laughs> and you got stick figures. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and and what, what I realized was my fear was of where to start. I didn't know where to start. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. creativity, everything you got to restrain, you got to, you got to boil it down to just one single point of action. Yeah. And you can't, you can't, you really can't worry about like what's coming next and shit. Like mm-hmm. you have to really like listen to yourself and just be like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. What I'm going to work on next. Boom. That's it. 
is a, cause like even with like taking photos and shit, like you know how you know they have rapid fire, you know cameras and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All those you know future photos that you can take, future press, whatever, you're always gonna have like this present photo that's like boom, that's it. That's how I like to uh, look at it and things like that, like just with life in general. Cause say um, like sometimes I'll be late to work. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> But I treat it as, you know, I'm supposed to be here at this time for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not late. I'm not early. I'm boom at this right amount of time. And, like, I don't even freaking, uh, I don't even, like, try to rush in traffic anymore. Because mm-hmm. I've learned that, um, you know, when you look at Siri, it says you'll be there at, like, 11.55. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to try to get there faster. Well, look, you're still there at, like, 11.55. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, okay, well, I did all this and now, rushing and, and now shit you're anxious, nothing. right? You're you're anxious, yeah. and you feel like you failed, and you've you've mm-hmm. set your day off with the cloud over your head. You don't even know it. But I'm trying to say, like, it's the little things that compound into something huge. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, because like, yeah, once you like put that in your mind, you're like, oh shit, I was late. Now what? It, more bad shit's gonna like pile onto that. It's just like, okay, fuck. Now I've had a bad day. It's like, it's not worth all it. It's not worth the rush. And that's why I say, if you're going to take a photo, take that bitch. Because mm. you never got to get that moment back. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and that's mainly one reason why I call myself Wesley Infinity, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like, I never know what I'm going to do next, for real. Like, but it's good to have an end time goal. Time doesn't like, exist. It, true. Time. You said what? It's it's you know more because like you know you gotta have a like a over because never mind you already have an end goal. You said your goal was to make money from your art and live comfortably off the art. So never mind. So regardless of whichever way you turn, it's all for the you know it's all compounding for the bigger vision. So I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh. It's like a lot of artists I look up to, like, uh, it'll be, I'm just named three. It's uh, Sean D. Shoots, uh, Steve Sweatpants, and Blue the Grape. Mm-hmm. And like all of them artists, they just basically just live in like that now moment. Like they'll wait for something that like they see that'll inspire them. But like in reality, it's just what am I doing right now? And how mm-hmm. is this going to like, you know. How do I feel about this and shit? Like mm-hmm. uh, Blue, he does, um, he does, he does mostly painting and stuff, right? But he also like makes sculptures, or he'll shoot on like medium format, or he'll shoot on like thirty five digital camera stuff. And then he recently dropped a new shoe that like everyone went crazy over. Like Erica Badu has this fucking shoe. I'm like, damn, that's cold. And then he was like, all right, after dropping the shoe, I want to fucking paint this court. The same color as the shoe. And these are my colors that I created. It's just like, wow. This dude is infinite. Like, he can do whatever he wants. People don't understand about people who are great, right? You can't mm-hmm. put, you just got, all you can do is point that motherfucker in a, in a direction and get out of their way. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like with Kanye, like, oh, you're, you just make beats. You're just a producer. No, I, I want to rap too. Then he starts rapping. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You you rap, but I want to do fashion. Oh, you, you can't do fashion. 
Why, why can't I? Because you rap. But I'm not a rapper, though. You know, he says it all the time. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. the only reason he's, he's like, um, he said f- for him to become a, a famous or a billionaire, he had to make beats. He didn't want to make beats. Yeah. But he, he did it to get to the point to do fashion. Mm-hmm. So now you he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he made a fucking bowl the other day. And like I even tweeted about it. I was like, that's some cocaine ass shit. Like, <laughs> like he just woke up, like, you know what? I'm gonna make a bowl. But he made that shit. And it's like, who's gonna tell him that, you know, that it's not tight to him? He mm-hmm. thought it was tight. So now everybody else thinks it's tight. Like they thought it was crazy at first. But when he did that shit, he executed it. And it's like, all right, we'll let you do whatever you want. And it came out amazing. Now we gotta just wait to see what you do next. Yeah. And and even if someone fails, I don't know, people people get so caught up, oh, you failed, it wasn't a success. Like who who measures what's what's the measurement of success, right? It's it's uh because to me, I I remember, you know, someone says some slick shit, they're like, oh, whatever I do fails. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I didn't fail because I gained that experience. And you can't pay for experience, you can't pay for that time, you can't recreate that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, there's no such thing as failure. Everything is data. No, I mm-hmm. know. Okay, I, I did this wrong. Here's how I can improve. Or not even just that. Like, I will look at it at a philosophical perspective. Like, okay, you know, this is what happened, or this is life, and it just mm-hmm. it deepens my belief in my spiritual uh, self, and it just reinforms and reinforces that. So that was just I feel like that was them projecting their insecurities onto me. And people, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a creative, I'm sure people will do that to you a lot. They think they're looking out for you. They think that they, you know, they have your best interest, but really they're projecting their selves onto you because they failed. They yeah. tried it and it didn't work. My like, motherfucker, I ain't built like you. We're not cut. From, we're not cut from the same cloth. So, yeah. <laughs> so what, so what are you talking about? But what was that mean? It was like uh with God looking down, it's like, yeah, I built this nigga differently. <laughs> like that's just plain and simple. You just gonna be built different from everybody else. Cause uh um, I know personally, like I'm one of the only film photographers in my city and shit. Because I just do that shit, do my art differently than everyone else. And I feel like uh, you know, personally, like as as an artist and stuff, I feel like Fuck what anybody says, like, whenever they say, like, oh, you can't do this because blah, blah, blah. Or look at you, you did, you failed and things like that. Like you said, you gained that experience. And experience is infinite. Like, you can never not, you can never not lose that experience that you gained, right? So, like, why would you, you know, let someone tell you, like, oh, you did this wrong. Well, you fucking suck. It's just like, okay, well, what am I going to do to make this better? You know, yeah. just like re-saying what you said. What am I going to do to make this better? What am I going to do to make this, you know, top tier? What am I going to do top tier from what I've done before? Because making something that's top tier, that's a terrible mindset because you're always going to think, oh, shit, this has to be like this. Like, what can you do to top yourself? Mm-hmm. If you're never, like, challenging yourself to do something different, then you're never going to, like, do something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and bro, when I, when, when I, 
stopped like trying to make videos and write film and write skits and do funny tweets. I focused on painting, you know, and I learned, you know, organizing, bro. I use those skills that I gained doing something different. And now I'm mm-hmm. bringing, I'm bringing it back into, you know, this podcast. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you gotta gain new experiences from other different arts. You gotta, you gotta mm-hmm. gain that knowledge and those tools you might learn from doing something different because if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're not growing. Yeah. And if you're doing some shit, if you're, and then like, if you end up doing the same thing over and over again, and you don't like it and you keep doing that for the longest time. Then like, once you stop doing it, you're like, well, fuck, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Now, now you're stuck. Like, uh, you, you, you know, that's your style, right? Like I, t- yeah. like, like I talked about, you know, the like Debo and, you know, kill me fam or like those you know dory account mm-hmm. the big you know once you get that's why like to all the people out there listening you have to understand you know once you get big to a certain point you gotta be careful because either people will try to pigeonhole you or you will mm-hmm. pigeonhole yourself unknowingly mm-hmm. Ooh, most definitely I, I feel like um cardi b is like the perfect example of just doing what she does good and then remixing it because, you know, she's always came out with quote unquote whole rap, right? Mm-hmm. You know, throwing her ass, throwing her pussy out there, squirting on niggas and shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's always been some shit like that. Yeah. But now she's she's grown it from like Bodak Yellow to WAP. And motherfuckers thought she was gonna stop at Bodak Yellow. But no, like she branded, you know, that whole into a housewife type deal, mm-hmm. right? And just made that shit better. And now, like, you can look forward to it. Like, what is she going to do next? Bro, I, knew like, she, wow. I knew she was going to be great when she dropped the vine about a hoe never gets cold. Mm-hmm. That, that was when I, like, there's no stopping this girl now. She's. Yeah. And boom, she did it. But hey, Mr. West, um, we're, we, we're almost about to hit two hours into this. This is probably going to be the longest episode ever. But <laughs> no, no, no. But no, but I, this is good and I like it. This is the first episode of season three. Uh, you're a very good guest. I really like your work. Um, Thank you, man. I appreciate that for real, man. Shit, like, it's crazy. Like, uh, I, I, I love, like, you know, sitting down and talking and shit like that, especially with, like, folks that I haven't, like, met in person yet. Mm-hmm. So, like, this was really dope. Because, like, you've always been, like, a dope person, in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, it was just, like, I could finally get to, like, talk to somebody who I, you know, appreciate, like, what you guys do on the internet, like, you guys make me laugh and shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is really dope. And I'm, I'm glad you brought me onto the show for real. Hey, man, my pleasure. Uh, definitely going to have you back in the future. Talk about more <clears throat> topics. Um, is there anything final you would like to say before we close out? Um, <sighs> let me see. I have a lot of final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> let me just dumb it down to one. Mm, okay, but. Kind of like a conclusion of what we were talking about and shit, right? As, you know, an artist, content creator, you know, whatever you want to call yourself. I would just say artist because if you're creating shit, you're going to create art anyway. Always get uncomfortable in a healthy way, which means like, you know, push yourself to do some shit that you never thought you would do. You know, keep your mind open and don't give a fuck about what anybody has to say. At the end of the day, your art is your baby. 
And you're not going to let somebody talk shit about your kid. Why are you going to let somebody talk shit about your art? Hey, real shit. That's real rap. <laughs> That's real rap. Yeah, but, man. <clears throat> yeah, but that, that was great, man. That was, I'm going to ponder on that. And uh, we're going to sign out in three, two, one. Zero. When you have power, how about tell your brother to get on it? My brother will stand for his own record. Why don't you talk to the president the way you talk to my brother, Ted? You afraid of him? You think he'll smack you down at home? Is that what it is? Like he shut you up in the primary? You guys are really tough. I'm talking about the president. My brother's not the president. I'm talking about the president, the one who called you a liar, the one who said your wife was ugly. That guy. Watching them when they coming to get me. So I hit the block and bend, do about 60. Then I put my clocks to them, like, plow, plow. I'm finna get on this TV and push it down. I ain't finna let these light skin niggas come back and stab. I'm finna turn this class clown shit to crazy deep. They told my mama I was bipolar, had ADD. I told them what, what I wanna do. I wanna be a baller. The dream spoilers are for ya. Hating on you till they man's on the corners. Old folks said he never make it off the corner. They are the virus that corrupts the soul. They are the cubic zirconia inside the tin carry gold that get green on you when you get green on them. You gotta wash your hands of them, get clean on them. Somebody told me success is the best revenge. So they gon' be fucked up when you do your thing on them. And hold your plaques high like who would have thought and tell them, <coughs> thank you for your no support. They are the dream killers. They the dream killers. Who know a dream? Uh, they are the dreams. They the dream killers. They the dream killers. Dream. They are the dreams. Now how you gonna talk about the way I spend my money? Everybody say it with me now, it's my money. And they know they hating, but what they don't know is they are my motivation, they are my inspiration. Cause we the leaders, and they the followers. And we the nut busters, and they the swallowers. They are the rumors, they are the lies. We are the shit dog, and they the flies. How you gonna tell me how to live my life? And you can't even get your own shit tight, right? They are the misery that loves company. Cause that comfortable corporate job can't come for me. Told them I finished school, then I started my own business. They said, oh, you graduated. Now I decided I was finished. Chasing y'all dreams of what you got planned. Now I spit it so hot, you got tan. And they hate on your relationship, then break your marriage up. Can't kill your dreams, so they assassinate your character. Do anything to downplay your or embarrass you. Come around with you, but they ain't down with you. They the dream killers. Spitting these rappers, my most heartfelt flow Cause they be like, that's cool, you got some beats for me though Oh, I get it, you wanna be Stu and Dr. Dre But don't nobody give a fuck what you got to say Anyway, what you finna rap about? You never sold crack out your house Or put a gap to a mouth or put your fist to your spouse Now how you gonna move the crowd? I bet a thousand that you get booed out I even heard that they even taking ways in jail They bet ten boxes of cigarettes that I'm finna fail Thinking you talk about peace, they gonna be like peace 
This nigga came from the shy, moved to the east. You gotta kill at least one person at least. Or will evict you from the rap game? Cancel your lease. How you go to New York? But you ain't never took a tour there. But you ain't know you gotta be rich just to be poor there. The dream got us in and runs the city. They don't know watching them when they coming to get me. So I hit the block and bend, do about sixty. Then I put my glocks to them like plow, plow, plow. They don't know what to do. So I hit the block in bed. And I put my glasses in. They don't know what to do. So I hit the block in bed. That was season three of Citizens of the Internet. Um, you know, I just want to thank everybody, man. Three seasons. That's crazy. Um, I'm telling you, I was, man, you know, this podcast has really been very healthy and uh, healing for me. And I really appreciate everyone who's listening. Right. I appreciate you who's listening. If you're in a car. On your headphones, you know, whatever you're listening, whatever you're vibing on. Thank you for tuning in and showing love. Um, I want to start, you know, being able to communicate with you guys more. And, you know, you can email me at citizens of the internet podcast at gmail.com. The website is up. We don't have much, but we're going to have more on there in the future. And, you know, if you guys have any cool videos, cool photography, you know, anything cool that you do or make or anything cool that you see that you want me to check out, just shoot me an email at citizens of the internet podcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on instagram at god's will mu at god's will mu and you know we have an instagram up it's not much um and it's you know it's citizens of the internet you can just you know find us on instagram show love um what else we're on youtube i mean i'm just posting the audio and the sound but I, you know i haven't done any video work yet that's in the upcoming future if you guys want that you know let me know shoot me an email like, hey you know guys we'd love to see you know the studio we'd love to see the podcast see the guests you know and if you know, i'll think about it right? i'm not gonna just do whatever you tell me i'm gonna think about it i'm gonna go into deep thought prayer fasting you know really consult my soul about if i want to do video But anyways, yeah, season three, episode one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.